Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Celia, I found the body. There's something about this story that doesn't quite sit right with me. And it's coming closer. Hello and welcome to Hooked on the Deceived with me, Maureen O'Connell. It's our companion podcast to the psychological drama penned by Derry Girls creator Lisa McGee and Tobias Beer. Now, episode three, it was full to the brim of treachery, deceit and topped with a little bit of lust. Poor Ophelia, her mental state, it's on the ropes. A mysterious stranger turns up in town brandishing Michael's book. And let's just say he's not there looking for an autograph, while Michael, on the other hand, will flirt with anyone willing to massage his oversized, what do we call it, his ego? We have so much to discuss in this week's podcast. Plus, we'll be talking to Lisa McGee and Tobias Beer all about creating their Hitchcock-inspired thriller. But first, we turn our attention to Catherine Walker, who plays the very successful novelist, Roisin Mulvery. We all thought Roisin was dead, that she was gone. But at the very end of episode three, like Lazarus, she has returned from the grave. Here's one of my favourite clips of Roisin when she meets Ophelia for the very first time in The Deceived. You might know Michael. My husband? That's right. He's just published his first novel. Reviews are annoyingly good. Not all women are allies, Ophelia. Some are the enemy. That's one of my favourite scenes from The Deceived. There's so much in it and I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast now Catherine Walker, who plays Roisin. Hello, how are you doing, Catherine? I'm great. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. That scene that we just saw, it's from episode one and it really lays the groundwork for an awful lot about Roisin and Ophelia. When she says that not all women are allies, what do you think Roisin means there, Catherine? Oh, I think there's a lot going on. It's a brilliant scene, isn't it? It's a brilliantly written scene. I remember actually, you know, that scene just jumping out at me when I when I read the scripts. It's such great writing from Lisa and Tobias. I absolutely, there's just so much in there. Um, yeah, I think you know she. The, the, oh, there's a lot going on. I don't know whether she's speaking specifically to Ophelia, but she's definitely in a place, you know, as a much more successful. She's much more successful than Michael. So he kind of uses the fact that younger women are quite attracted to him Mm. (laughs) because he's a very attractive man. And so I think, you know, I think that she's generally uneasy, you know. So she kind of knows that um, there's always, you know, there's, there's, there's always that going on, you know, potentially going on with him and his students. So, you know, so she has to... um, I don't think in any way that she's marking her territory and so much as kind of just, you know, telling her to take care, I think. I think the masks are off there as well, which is really good. You know, yeah. I think they're speaking woman to woman about how difficult it is to manoeuvre in this man's world, you know. Well, with that, do you, do you think that that scene, it's, I've thought about it so much and it's that it's not Michael's fault if one of these younger girls comes on to him. It feels like Roshan's like, no, it's not his fault. Because do, yeah. do you think he has her under the thumb like that? Well, I think, yeah, I think he plays, you know, he plays on her self-doubt. 
you know, Roisin is, you know, hugely commercially successful, but not necessarily accepted in his academic intellectual circles, you know, as much as she would like to be. Mm. And, you know, you see through her mother that, you know, she doesn't come from this most stable place, I would say. So the foundations aren't very strong there. So, you know, I think he plays on that with her and on her own insecurity. And I think, you know, um, Emmett and I spent a lot of time talking about them as kind of a power couple, you know? Yeah. And I think they, yeah. they, you know, they got together and that's really part of their attraction. So in some way, I think, you know, the way if somebody's, if somebody's saying to you, oh, you're so jealous or, you know, you drank too much, what are you talking about? You're imagining something. You kind of blame yourself, don't you? You yes. go, well... Yeah. God, am I, it's just that I'm very jealous. I'm a very jealous type as opposed to seeing, you know, that he, you know, what is actually going on with some of the students, you know? So I think it's that, I think he kind of, it's the gaslighting in it. I think he kind of confuses her about her own jealousies and her own perceptions and her own self-doubt. You know, so you kind of go oh. with that self-doubt, was she sort of ripe for him to kind of pick her? Because she is this successful author, but yet we see scenes where she's been spoken down to, where where her books are being yeah. explained, mansplained back to her. And yeah. that you can be successful, but you're still a woman. Do you think that that equality, that lack of equality is there? Totally. I think that's what's brilliant about how it's written. You know, it's 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 really, really cleverly written. And I think all the time, you know, you're looking at that power play. You know, she's having to manage him all the time. You see her in episode two at the at the book launch, you know, mm -hmm. where she has to look after him. He can't just be there and support him. She has to make sure he's okay. She has to make sure his ego's okay, that he feels powerful in the room, you know. So that's there all the time, a kind of uneasiness with it. You know, and I think it's that thing, isn't it? I think it was probably the very thing that attracted him to her. He wants that power and success, but it's not happening for him. And I think as it goes on, she's becoming more and more successful and, 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 and he's really struggling with that. And so it's it, a really interesting dynamic to play. It is. It's because he's struggling that mm. and, and we see it before. He was always there. Like we even see in episode three, they do a flashback to seven years before seven years ago. And he wants her to wear a certain dress. She doesn't want yes. to keep on drinking and he makes her keep on drinking. So it's yeah. not just her success but he probably spotted that she was going to be successful and he wouldn't be able to handle it. So the gaslighting in this, he's mm. laid the foundation for a long, long time with Roisin. Yes, and totally. And I think of something that you said there, which I think is really true, that he spotted something within her as well. You know, I think, you know, she comes from a place, I think she's kind of run away a bit. That's always how I imagine, you know, she's run away and has adopted a lot of masks and a new personality to kind of get away from her background, you know? And so I think he spots that, he spots that you don't have to scratch too far to find out that, you know, she isn't actually inherently got great self-esteem. Do you know what I mean? And so I think he knows that. And also he does that thing where he, 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 it becomes all about him. So you kind of see him kind of push her away from her friends yeah. and, you know, so, so he becomes more and more important. So it becomes more and more desperate, doesn't it? In a way, yeah. because he's the center, he's the center of her world. And without him, she's kind of, you know, because she's left, she's, 
left her, you know, she's running away essentially from her background and has adopted this new identity, you know, without him, who is she, you know? And it feels like, because that's it, her best friend Ruth, she just won't believe her. She runs away from her. She's very isolated. But when she comes home, it's interesting about her background because I think yeah. Mary is one of the most fantastic characters in this, played brilliantly by yeah. Eleanor Methven. It, she's so sinister, but yet yeah. she's your friend. It's fantastic. Mary was so willing to go along with this plan. And, and she yeah. seems as well to be under... Michael's thumb she'll do whatever he wants but is that because she wants her little girl Roisin like we you know the room is still like as Roisin was a child you know it's all a bit mad yeah it is I think you know they're properly codependent I think (laughs) Mary and Roisin I think there's proper codependency there and a lot of you know yeah I think a bit like um I I always think of Mary as a survivor you know so I think she's very much gone, you know, you've got a good one there. Do you know what I mean? Hold on to him. You've got a good, good you've got a good man there and, you know, you're upwardly mobile and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I think, you know, she kind of, she's under his spell as well. Yeah. You know, she, she, she isn't kind of pushing her daughter for independence. You know, as you said, there's a room full of child's girl's toys. Yeah. Not yeah. really encouraging her going, you can stand on your own two feet, love. Do you know what I mean? Completely, even though um, she's incredibly successful in her own right. And we just had the big reveal. Roisin isn't dead. (laughs) She's there in that creepy room drinking tea. What's in this flipping tea? What was the reaction to Roisin not being dead from when you read it, from when friends and family found out? I know it's great, isn't it? Because I, you know, I didn't, I I had things completely wrong as well, you know, and you get so used to, as an actor, we're able, we know formulas of scripts. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You read, your script arrives and you go, we can, it's just because that's what we do. And we know, I have no clue with this. So I had the same thing, but also I was a bit like, where am I? And yeah, totally. You just, I don't think you see it coming and it continues to do that right to the end. Right to the end. It really does. Thank you so much for being able to creep me out by appearing at windows <laughs> and in rooms with, with yeah. scary music. Uh, Catherine yeah. Walker as Roisin Mulvery. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much. Great to talk to you. We have to be careful. Hello. You're not the first. You won't be the last. You might know my husband. Stranded in the spooky town. You really shouldn't be here. I thought I'm pregnant. I'm sure I look after you. That's what I'm worried about. Not all women are allies, Ophelia. Places a death trap. Some of the enemy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And it's coming closer. Now on Hooked and the Deceived, we are going to turn our attention to episode three, and I'm joined by our intrepid team of drama sleuths, Nadine Reed and Gordon Rochford. Darlings, hello. Hello. What did you call me? You're a sleuth. <laughs> You're a sleuth. A dirty sleuth. Put that on the CV as soon as you get out of here. Episode three is where everything comes out of the wash. We start with a flashback scene and we end essentially with it all about to unravel in Michael's life. Like an and old pennies jumper. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, falling apart. Now, the flashback scene, because this is all about Michael keeping it all together. Mm-hmm. This whole episode, mm-hmm. keeping everyone off their guard. Now, the flashback scene is seven years ago in Nocdara around Christmas time. When Ruth and Matthew, Roisin and Michael's friends have come to celebrate Christmas with them. Mm. Now, a lot goes on in this scene, I think, personally, because it shows that Michael definitely has these controlling tendencies over Roisin. And and I think everybody else at the table. Yeah. So he doesn't, she wants to stop drinking. He won't let her stop drinking. She's wearing a certain dress. He makes her change into a different dress. Who does that? Creepy. Some Michael Douglas shit going on. That is some stuff. Some Take stuff off going on there. And when it gets to the stage of they announce their engagement and Ruth says, um, Matthew's like, oh, there'll be babies soon. And Ruth is like, oh, um, you might, Roshi might adore someone more than Michael. How will you cope? And Michael's like, I don't think I possibly could. Yeah. That's when we see he wants this woman all to himself and everyone else, right? Completely. Yeah, Ruth, Ruth, like, the alarm bells for Ruth are ringing. And we can see that then as the episodes go on. Even in the last episode when Michael and Ruth are having a fight in her office, like she has his number straight away. But poor yeah. old Matthew, when, they, when he saw the engagement <laughs> ring, his poor little hearting <laughs> melted. I thought we were going a bit broke back mountain then. I was like, I was like, all along, is he pansexual? I was really excited <laughs> for something to happen. Then, yeah, then I realised Michael, as usual, manipulating another person. Yeah. This time it's Matthew, the, you know, black Matthew. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm just going to call him Matthew, so, Nadine. I, um, oh, sorry. I'll sorry. Just no, but you can call him whatever you like. I always count the number of black people in shows, Matthew. though. I do that. Do you not do that with Irish people? No. Do you not? Because you we just don't, ex- if it's an Irish show, I'm going to take a long time to be <laughs> okay, counting the amount of Irish people in a so show. If you were watching an American show, I count the amount of Irish people in that show. If there was ever one like Grey's Anatomy, I'm like, yeah. there's one. Look at us there. Well done. Sorry about Fair that. play to you. Sorry, Sorry, doctor. Sorry. We don't talk like that. Yeah, so Ma- Ma- poor Matthew, uh, he gave yeah. it one last shot though, even after yeah. the engagement ring rent went on and he was just kind of, we didn't see like below chest height on the camera, so who knows what was going on down there, but I presume it was just kind of like a let's but touch But he officially tips, declares his love for Michael as yeah. Michael's topless and it's night and they meet outside the bathroom and Michael takes it all in, all in. and well, makes no, a decision then and there yeah. To give him just a little peck on the cheek. Yeah. Oh, and yes. then he's got Matthew in his pocket for yeah. the rest of his life. Because Matthew's like, oh, he really does feel something for him. Maybe there's a bit of hope. Maybe p- one day. One day. Keep the pilot light me. of gay love alive. I know. Just to see. Maybe he'll turn. And what Maybe. do we think about Michael in this episode? Like, this is when the audience get to see through him entirely. Mm-hmm. And the two people who see through him, Ruth. Uh-huh. And his dad, Hugh. And a little bit of Ophelia towards the end. She starts to go, well, now... But yeah, definitely Ruth has his number and uh, Completely. She, um, 
uh, even our, our new our new addition, Richard. Is that Richard his name? And Richard also brother, the second black guy. Doesn't yes. <laughs> black guy number two. So that's Can we get two. a bell? Is there a bell <laughs> we can get for their account? Every time we mention that yeah. we have here, there really should be a bell. But no, um, Ruth is like the Agatha Christie mm. of the of the whole lot of them, isn't she? She's the one that calls it out from the off. And I was like, you know what, Ruth, go on. I think she's the only one with actual true detective skills. She also has compassion for Roshni. She's worried about her. She's getting voicemails. She went to match her. She's like, dude, our mate is missing. And the fellow she's married with is a psychopath. Like, what's going on? And he's like, Um, no, he's not. He's lovely. Like, she's she's hammering hard at the Michael is strange. But they led us down a road with Ruth, didn't they, in the other episodes that we thought she might have been crazy and obsessed with Michael. Like, they did. They really did that very well. And now we find out that she's the one who's seen through him the entire time. And she wants to find out what's actually going on with Roisin. So that was really well planted with all of this. Now, let's talk about Richard a little bit. This is our (sighs) new character who's arrived in Nakdara. He's looking for his sister, Annabelle. Mm-hmm. And we see a picture of Annabelle and it turns out she's the woman that Michael was fighting with all the way back in episode one. When Ruth warned Ophelia looking out the window, you want to be careful about yeah. him. Yeah. We didn't know what the crack was. We get to see the little flashback as well. Uh, but but I think what, the biggest part of this is... Yeah, come on. What's the biggest part? The biggest, the most important part is they need to have better security at funerals in Donegal because it seems like anybody can just walk up to a funeral and be like, I, j'accuse, murder. Like it's very, uh, lackadaisical. But, but his cha- yeah, you can one. see when Michael and he, uh, like Richard comes over and goes, all right, bruv, can I have a word? Can I have a, can I have a word in your show like? And he brings more to the side and Michael is like, well, maybe uh, you could give me an old kiss. I have a lovely moustache. And he's like, no, it's not happening. There's only one gay black guy in the show. <laughs> And Michael His is, name is Matthew. And Michael is, uh, or, or Richard, Richard is just like, I'm, I'm immune to your charms. I'm looking for my sister. What's the crack? Like he, he gives it to him hard and Michael realises like, as with Root, there's no chance of manipulation. Yeah. Yes. I now pulls the, pulls the yeah. parachute. You know? Because yeah. throughout all of this, you do think that Michael could lob the gob on anyone yeah. at any stage. And can I think I that's say, maybe you, Marin. So. No, because that's your eternal hope. But, with, but with Matthew, he wants it. Do you know, we've got Ophelia, we've got Ruth, Mary at some stage. I'm like, does she fancy him as well? She has this, Mary, we, Mary, I think, might, she'd take it, I'd say. Oh no, Mary she's would. I thought she, I thought Having a wine had. and a dance. Yeah, I thought they had from the first episode. See, that's the sort of thing and I would like mm. to say thank you to uh, the casting directors of this show for for picking someone <laughs> who can actually shift on screen because I'm still haunted by Colin Firth in Bridget Jones' Diary. The worst case of all time. So yeah. thank you. Emmett Scannon can shift women. Well done. And the women can shift back. Um, now, what we've got in this, I'm just very happy. Now, You've the, obviously examined that footage quite intimately there. Like, haunts haunts my dreams. Worst shift of all time. Is this the end of Bridget time. Jones? Yeah, the end when one. they shift. With that in the street. It's like yeah. he pecks at her I like a bird. I thought that was lovely. No. I thought that was quite romantic. <laughs> Sorry. I th- you know, I take that over a whispering scary man that's trying to shift me. He was like, I love you. I love you, Oshin. What Slap is that noises. about? So again, there's something Stop wrong with me. whispering. God, I still fancy him. Yeah. So we've Crazy. got a lot going on here that brings yeah. us into the world of the supernatural. Absolutely. And this is very evident in this episode of the show. We've had it. We've had little steps along mm. the way. Now, in this show, we've had Claude, obviously, who's a psychic. Yeah. But Hugh, gorgeous, lovely Hugh, Michael's dad, is the one who really brings it out this time, oh, isn't it, Nadine? Hugh. 
No, don't. I actually feel really emotional thinking about you. Lovely Because I know how it's going to go down. I know. We'll get know to that. If you've seen it, you know what happens. May oh, he rest in peace. Lovely I, Hugh. I know, I know. But the story of Hugh and his like favourite friend when he was younger growing up, Bridget. Bridget. Bridget born in 1938 um, that Hugh apparently spent loads of time with. Yeah. But then she was never born. By the time, you know what I mean? By the time he was, what, eight years she old. She was dead. She was already dead. But apparently they played together every summer for months and months and spent time. Um, it, was like, it was like a Macaulay Culkin, uh, my girl oh, yeah. type situation. <laughs> and then it was like, oh no, we don't need bees. She's, She's already dead. dead. Yeah. But they already did the kind of I see dead people thing when yes. he realises that no one had ever spoken to him, spoken to Bridget. He was the only one. But he told that story really well. I can imagine so hearing it, you know, sitting around my grandmother's house. You know, it yeah. really did seem like something that would have happened or a story that would have been told in an Irish village in the 40s. Yeah. So so Bridget is kind of, she's an important character in this episode, even though Hugh actually never met her, yeah. I think, Gordon. It puts the compassion in Hugh and gives him a bit more um, kind of volume as a character as well, because we know that like he's kind of doddery. He doesn't really remember a whole lot of stuff. He's kind of out there. But these are kind of moments of clarity and moments of of lucidity that we get from him at the table. Um, someone's like, ah, oh, stop telling old bullshit ghost stories and all. And he kind of stands up for himself. And there's like a moment where we see at the start of the episodes where he's talking to Ophelia and he's mixing her up with Roisin and mm. which we kindly like there's slashes now for Hugh for this episode where he's like, this is what happened to me. And you can't tell me that what I think is not real. Yeah. Uh, I think the, it is real, by the way. But the I ghost story existed. is. Sorry. The, the ghost story is like, could be not real, but him defending himself saying, well, it is real to me because I felt it and I think oh, it and I know it. Jerry Adams made an appearance. He did. did he? he was. Okay. He was there. And, uh, <laughs> the whole time. But just, just the way he stands up for his what he believes to be true. Because he's like, Michael, you can't mess with my mind. Exactly. I saw her and the whole thing is about Michael messing with people's minds. Right, and he's yeah. like, don't you dare do don't this Don't believe to your me. own head. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But then he drops in this little nugget that's so important and it's about the summer house mm. in Nakdara mm. and how Bridget would call him essentially and it was like we weren't allowed to play together but she would tell me that she was there I gave her a key to the summer house oh, and yeah, she'd flash the lights nice. on and off yeah when she would tell me that she was there. Yeah. And what do we see happening later on that night when Ophelia wakes up at ridiculous yeah. o'clock? I yeah. wondered. A that, flashing off and off. That's the same area that she saw Roisin as a ghost. But like, did Michael go down and flick on and off the light switch to mess with her? Or was that an optical illusion? For like hours. Yeah. So is it Probably. that she is losing her mind and she's seeing it? Possibly. Or has Michael been really annoying the electricity grid by just flashing on lights on and off for four hours going I gave her that tea earlier on her sleepy time tea she should be waking up about now I'm going to run down but he is in full manipulation mode like they're coming from uh, they're coming from the funeral and uh, his phone ring he leaves his phone with Ophelia and his phone rings and it comes up Roisin so she's getting the spooks already do you know and uh, I'd be gone I'd just I, be gone yeah but I mean if you're getting calls from a dead woman and then oh. you're freaking out but he's driving through the forest and she and, and Ophelia's like Roisin rang you on your phone am I going crazy like maybe he put a note to himself to say like I'm going to flick on and off the light. I'm going to try and make her, yeah, you know, yeah. it's very, very weird. And he's um, got help with it. He's clearly yeah. got help. He's not doing this alone. Let's be honest. He doesn't, but he he's does use misdirection tactics. Yes. When she's mm. starting to doubt herself, she's in town. 
there has been a knife in her bag, which yes. we all saw. She's cut herself. Everyone in town is like, this girl is crazy. And she's still there though. Come on. She finds a knife there. in your bag and you're still there. But you feel that she's starting to question Michael oh, and go, God. what's actually going on? But he gets her in the car <laughs> and he calms her down by ringing Roisin's phone. Mm. And then it's Mary picks up. She's like, hello, I was trying to contact you. Hello, it's me, Roisin from the bar. Uh, or sorry, Mary. Mary. I was trying to contact you earlier on. And he just hangs up on Mary. Rude. Um, and then she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then he's like, let's have some sex in the car. And she, and we see when they get back to the house, she's all lovey-dovey again. I can't. I actually can't. It's painful to watch. Did you it's find so it painful? painful? Yeah, it's so painful to go from that mistrust and all of these clues and all of this evidence. Oh, I'll just ride my ride Michael <laughs> in the car and everything will be okay. Come on, Ophelia. She's slightly getting there though. She's slightly. I can feel like something is opening up a little. Opening up just a little bit. Opening up bit. just a little. It's like her mind is going, hmm, I wonder if all of this is true, which is great. And she Thank does God. put the pieces together. Yes. She puts them together going, yeah. Annabelle, who is Annabelle? Yeah. Why has her brother mentioned a backpack? She goes into the crazy summer house. She finds the backpack and realises that last. Annabelle is the one who wrote the book, not Michael. Oh yeah, big reveal. The, the huge reveal. Huge and she figures reveal. it out because there is a quote used from uh, Thomas Hardy yes. in the book. And he said, I'm not a Hardy specialist. Uh, I don't like all Hardy there. Because that's uh. some explanatory flashbacks that, that really tie it all together. This is the tumble into explanation in this yeah. episode, big time. And with all of this, we just find at the end that Michael, he's lost it because he's like the brother. Richard's going to find out about me. He's going back to the house to get this. To, he hasn't disposed of the backpack. Michael, how do you let that slip your mind? Roshi's in the house holding the backpack. He's coming. What's going to happen? Doom, doom, doom. Uh, I was a bit, I had, the, I had the old heart in the throat there oh for that yes. bit. Oh I have yes. to say, Ophelia's starting to get her nuts now. She's like, I, I'm pushing back. Uh, Michael's yes. not going to, you know, manipulate me. Or She was afraid of him, but not like afraid in a helpless way. She was hiding, holding the backpack in the little summer house. And Michael's coming back after having his uh, 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 altercation with Richard at the funeral, yeah. getting into the car. He screams like, Argh! like that scream. You know that it's falling apart for him. Completely. Do you know, like a wet Completely. cake. Thank God. But there is a good bit when Ophelia's in the bedroom, do you remember? And the fake doctor thing. Yeah. That was good when she finally was realising that she's been completely duped in some way when he's like oh the doctor said these pills are okay for you to take yeah and just take them and she's like mm. and that he got his mate to pretend to be a doctor it's like <laughs> why does everyone do what you say listen there is so much going on this is all about Michael Lyon and getting away with it and it's just absolutely crazy but you still love him what about the, what about the massive reveal at the very very end <gasps> are we allowed to talk about that reveal the camera pans Two Oh yeah, sorry, Roisin's alive. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have I didn't know if you were allowed to say that. Sorry, Roisin, yeah, Roisin's alive all the time. Jeannie Macaroni, I completely forgot about that. Sitting, sitting, holding a cup of tea, looking off at the space. She was switching that switch in the Again, summer house. Sitting with tea. What's going on with the tea and the deceives? I, I wouldn't be tea. having a cup of tea Never. in Nakdara ever. Roisin is alive. Do Listen, it. there Woo! was so much in episode three that we couldn't do the full deep dive, but nothing <laughs> like doing as much of a deep dive as we could in the time that we had with Nadine <laughs> Reed and Gordon Rochford. As always, it's a pleasure and I'm looking forward to our chats next week when the curtain will finally be pulled back and we get to see Ooh. who the puppet masters really are in The Deceived. Gordon and Nadine, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Marin. Thanks, Marin. See you later, guys. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Dead. We set it in motion. It was an accident. Now I am very excited to welcome to the podcast the creators of The Deceived, Lisa McGee and Tobias Beer, who we should point out are a real life couple. That's why you're seeing them both on screen before people write in and go, oh my God, coronavirus. Oh, what are they doing beside each other? Hi guys, how are you? Hi, we're Hi. Good. how are you? It's lovely to talk to you about this show that I am enjoying so unbelievably, so much because it does bring you back to those Daphne du Maurier books and kind of... Hitchcock thrillers which I believe you like to watch when you were first dating Lisa yeah that's right we were kind of obsessed with all those old movies um yeah Thailand for Murder and Gaslight and um we kind of ran out and um were desperate for uh other stuff in that genre to to watch and then we were thinking we could just write try and write something um we're quite interested in seeing if we could do a sort of contemporary version of one of those stories uh, and a bit, a bit more long form, you know. Isn't that lovely, Tobias, to be like, oh, no one else is doing it. I suppose, I suppose we'll just have to do it. It's kind of nice to have that talent, isn't it? Well, it's, there's never any guarantee, but uh, it was it was nice to have such a joint interest that we'd shared for a long time. So we, when we started, we were quite on the same page about what we were trying to do, which was useful, I think. And like this, this process for the deceived, it started quite a few years ago, didn't it? Yes, it was about I think four. three or four four years ago. Probably was the initial thing we did a. We were on holiday and we were talking about it a lot, and then we just we did a a, a, a document a treatment which we just sent in on spec, and uh, luckily that was. People quite like that. And then, yeah, it's, we've, there have been various versions of it as we were trying to get it commissioned and some versions were more explicitly ghosty, others were not ghosty at all. And what we've what we've been left with now is actually very close to what we wanted to do in the beginning, which is something in between those things where the ghosty stuff is ambiguous. I love that you can go on holiday and come up with a show that uh, thousands upon thousands of people love and I'm just trying not to get burned. So that's that's handy. That's putting me in my place. Um, what's well, the... What? That's, <laughs> that's, that's a bit depressing. It's all that we, all we talk about is work, really, and television. So we thought we might as well Get something out of it. Fair play to you. Um, what's, you know, being a husband and wife team, what's the writing process like for you, Lisa? Um, so it's interesting because we don't actually write together if, if you know we, we discuss ideas together and um, break down stories together talk about characters together but then we'll go off and work very separately and um, come back and look at what each other's done and um, that, I think that's been really amazing for me because I usually write on my day, I usually write on my own so um, the, the sort of 
else to help me get stuck. <laughs> um, it's been brilliant if about sort of intense at times and all we talk about. You're looking at each other and you're still smiling. So as for all the people who are listening, who's had to spend a few months in lockdown with their partner, they're all good. It's fine. Everything's been totally and utterly fine. Uh, Tobias, I'm just wondering in this, because, you know, as a couple, you'd obviously go and visit Lisa's family, her mother in Derry. Are you are you Ophelia? Is that are you the outsider coming in? Are you? you? (laughs) Well, I think. The interesting thing about that is it doesn't need to be true. It only needs to have occurred to me. And I think when, yeah, a lot of those times early on when I was going to visit, the experience is quite intense as an outsider. And not in a bad way at all. It's, of course, very friendly and welcoming. Um, but that it did occur to me then, you know, what what would it be like if you if, if, if you were uncertain about your position or if you were... You know, she go when she goes to over to the village. She's she's not innocent, so she's having um, an affair with this man. So she's on edge, and I, it was, I I wondered how you would feel faced with that sort of onslaught if you weren't totally comfortable with what you were up to. So that was that was certainly a part of it, um, and also I think a lot of the what's interesting as an English person in Derry is, I think it's true generally, I mean, certainly it's perhaps a Catholic thing, I think, but there is a sort of ease with uh, the mystical and with uh, religious uh, ritual and sort of superstition sometimes, which is quite strange for someone like me. It's, it's very, it's taken for granted that you accept these, that people go and see psychics or that they, they think that they can predict the future. You know, even on an everyday level, you'll say, oh, well, you know, I won £10 on the lottery and someone will say, well, I told you, I knew it, didn't I say you would? (laughs) (laughs) I love how you've kind of conflated sort of mysticism and the supernatural with Catholicism, which is something that Ophelia does in it when Cloda comes to the house in episode three and Mary's like, what the hell? What What are you bringing that into the house for? And Ophelia gets the holy water and she's like, well, what's the difference? You're splashing this all over the place. What are your views on, because the, the supernatural is, it's it's a character in this, Lisa. Do you believe? I do, yeah. Toby doesn't. Um, but we, we, he would always say that, like, I'm not afraid of ghosts, but he is, even though he doesn't believe in them. Um <laughs> So it's just always been something that's been around for me and my family. And I mean, I'm not hugely into it or anything. I just sort of hedge my bets. So I wouldn't ever say, you know, I don't believe. Um, and, and it's, yeah, I, I was kind of, as Toby said, I was brought up with people always sort of talk about the time that, you know, relatives talking about the time they, you know, saw a ghost or, or whatever, just sort of part of our, our, our world. Really, and I think um, the, the, the Catholicism thing is interesting because it doesn't always go hand in hand with Catholicism in all our parts of the world. So, yeah, I would say I, I, I believe. I, I think what I realised quite quickly is that actually it's not about whether it's true or whether there are ghosts or whether any of it's true sort of objectively. The fact is it's a part, it's, it, it's a cultural 
phenomenon and it's a part of people's lives. So actually that's, that's more interesting, that became more interesting to me than whether or not actually it's true or not in, 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 in a sort of objective sense. So this is, a, this, is a, this is stuff that's going on and that's a rich sort of uh, cultural thing. It's an Irish thing, yeah. yeah. I, think, um, I think it's certainly uh, part of our literary history as well. You know, a play we were very much inspired by is um, The Weir, Conor McPherson's The Weir, you know, so, so, it's, so it's, it's such a big part of um, English literature as well, ghosts. Um, there's a fascination with them in our, in our culture, so I think that was really important for us. Yeah, because I could, like, it was happening in Nocturne and Donegal, but a lot of the stuff I was like, yeah, I can remember my grandmother talking about stuff like that in Kerry. It definitely is. Island, yeah. island-wide. You can't ex- escape it, Toby. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. When it comes well, to... <laughs> How are your kids with it? Are they like, there's a ghost everywhere. I see dead people. No, not yet. <laughs> not quite yet. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the the major drivers of the superstition and and the supernatural in this is of course uh, Cloda, who's just a fantastic character because she plays that weirdness so perfectly. Of she's of this world, she's not of this world. She sings that haunting version of Wheelie Wheelie Wheelie, and it's played by Louisa Harland. Um, is it based on anyone that that you might know, Toby? Well, Cloda originally was was going to be a much older figure and was a, was a friend of Mary's. We wanted someone uh, who Mary was talking to a lot, and that was the sort of uh, window into that side of things of the psychic. And so initially it was that, and then um, partly because we wanted to avoid a sort of uh, that felt like you'd seen that before, the sort of old weirdy weirdy woo old lady. Um, so partly. If, because we wanted to avoid that. But also then I was thinking about someone I knew when I was much younger, when I was at university, who was a sort of middle-class English girl, and she went off to India for about three months, as a lot of people do, do and then come back. But she sort of got totally immersed in it and was away for years and sort of kept going back and, and was completely sort of transformed and really sort of got... Uh, totally caught up with this these new uh, beliefs that he'd never never mentioned before, and mm-hmm. that was quite interesting to me. So, so then we thought well, maybe that maybe more interesting. It's a younger figure, a younger character who perhaps has had something in her past that's led her to be to seek that out or to take it further than someone else might say. We were talking to Louisa at episode one and she said that she received a a message that all the girls and dairy girls got a message going, can anyone sing from you, Lisa? So, (laughs) and they're all like, nah. And next thing she was like, and then I had to sing. I felt like puking. This is terrible. How did your other dairy girls react when you were like, yeah, Louisa, come on, let's let's do something else. Are they gunning for you? I think they all know. Um, I don't think... I don't really, and I'd like to hope we won't ever get rid of each other. And I, I like to think they all know we'll all work with each other and um, at different points on different things, you know. So um, it, it's, yeah, I don't think they'd have, they'd have cared much, much um, <laughs> that, that they won't arrest them because they know I'll force them to do something else. Well, that's um, the thing. Sorry. You just have to divide it up. You know, you've got Ian and Louisa and this one. The next one has to have two more until the end of time. Well, 
everything has everything has, will have Ian in it. It's actually illegal for him not to be in something that's filmed in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, with this, you know, you've been involved in in stuff that has you know taken off worldwide. I think the same is going to happen to the Deceived because of you know exactly what it is and it just felt like it filled a hole that I didn't know that I had when I wanted to watch something but of course now you've got Paul Mescal attached who is the sun moon and stars it would appear when it comes to putting someone into stuff Tobias that was pretty handy getting him wasn't it it was it's incredible stroke of luck and we can't really the only person who can take any credit for him is uh, our casting director <laughs> Louise Keeley who, who cast normal people and we looked, we started very early on, and we'd looked at a few people for sure, and we were sort of waiting and seeing who kind of. Then she said, Right, I've got the Paul Mescal's done a tape, but if you want to, you just need to ask now because he's not going to have. Yeah, he's, he's going to be gone. gone. Yeah. He's going to be gone. So we said, Oh, all right. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's great. And of course, he's brilliant. And it's been incredible what ha- what's happened to him. It's quite unusual nowadays for that to happen to someone, and totally. And it's been great for us, of course, because of what what he's, the people he's brought to the, to the show. Hopefully, yeah, it's been it's been amazing to watch. It all happened to him, hasn't it? It's just incredible. Yeah, I remember talking to him like just before Normal People came out on the show and it was like, oh my God, you're a superstar. It's time for you to go. Well done for putting Paul Mescal into a fireman's uniform, by the way. Stroke of genius, Lisa. People would like that. The show is fantastic. Creators, Tobias Beer and Lisa McGee, thank you so much for joining us. So good. Um, it was greatly appreciated that you were here in the podcast. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, that's our lot for this week. We have just one more episode to go and no doubt the finale is going to be off the hook. Roisin, she's bleeding alive, lads. What will her return? What effect will it have on everyone and the story? And will the mask finally slip from Michael's beautiful bearded face? Lots to delve into as always. From me, Maureen O'Connell, we'll chat to you on the next Hooked on the Deceived. Stranded in the spooky town. She really shouldn't be here. I I'm pregnant. Should I look after you? That's what I'm worried about. She took my heart, I think she took my soul. Not all women are allies, Ophelia. Place is a death trap. Some are the enemy. And it's This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. 